Hi everyone, Griffin Marie here and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today we will be discussing the state of U.S. equity markets with insights into recent performance, an update on the corporate reporting season, and a whole lot more. So I am excited to be joined today by David Lefkowitz, Head of Equities Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So David, it's great to be with you and looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Oh, anytime, David. So we've seen equity markets continue to grind higher this week with the S&P 500 uh, pushing to an all-time high on Thursday and strong performance from the NASDAQ and Russell 2000. David, what were some of the key catalysts for this week's action in U.S. equities? Yeah, sure. I, so, you know, Griff, we've had a, a few different things that the market has been paying close attention to. I mean, you know, I, I would say first and foremost is, is really what's been happening with the state of the pandemic and the fact that we're seeing COVID cases rise uh, in, in many parts of the country, and in fact, in virtually all parts of the country, I mean, a bit more severe in, in certain parts than others. Um, so the market's definitely keeping an eye on that. Um, in terms of data, uh, we did have uh, a couple of key reports. Um, the ISM Manufacturing Index and the ISM Services Index yeah, the, these are monthly surveys of the business community, and they're they're pretty important from a market perspective, from an equity market perspective, because they they just tend to be uh, very highly correlated with one another. So, uh, the manufacturing report was slightly uh, weaker than expected, but still very strong in absolute terms, and um, and what we uh, anticipate by looking at some of the internals of that report is that manufacturing sentiment and, and the business cycle in, in more broadly is likely to remain quite robust for you know well you know for some time well into 2022 um, so that was I think one of the important takeaways and then on the services uh, sentiment reading uh, that was better than expected it just reinforces the you know, continuation of a, just a reopening of the of the economy uh, more broadly. And then finally, we had earnings, um, you know, continued to be very strong reports, uh, but that was another uh, bit of a catalyst. So, like, I would say nothing came out this week that really changed the the trend that we've been seeing in markets over the last couple months. And what we've been seeing is that markets have sort of been slightly grinding higher, but with a clear bias towards growth companies rather than value companies and high quality versus, uh, and, and a high quality bias. So a little bit more of a, a defensive tilt. And, you know, we think what's driven that constellation that, that, uh, where investors are seeking out, uh, more stability in, in terms of the investments, uh, within the marketplace. It's the rising COVID cases. It's hotter than expected inflation over the last couple of months. And, uh, some of the economic data has been a little bit weaker than expected, although still remains strong in absolute terms. So, you know, th those have been sort of the, the three things that have been prompting this rotation into growth and quality. Um, and that's kind of a, what we saw to this week was just sort of a continuation of, of that trend, Griff. 
Well, thanks there, David. And you raised the point midway through there on earnings performance, and I think it's pertinent enough to bring up here. You and UBS Global Wealth Management Chief Investment Officer Salida Marcelli put out a note uh, titled uh, Learnings from Earnings. So my question for you, David, is exactly that. What have we learned so far from the second quarter reporting season? Yeah, so Griff, there's been a few takeaways. I mean, for, you know, first of all, the, the earnings results have been very impressive. Right? We've seen earnings come in um, you know, nearly 20% higher than than what the can, the analyst community was expecting. I mean, you know, just to put that in perspective, uh, you know, before the pandemic, the average earnings beat was around 4%. So, you know, the fact that it's almost 20% is, uh, you know, just it, it's it's really literally off the charts. Um, now, that's also been consistent with what we've seen in the last, you know, really few quarters since the recovery from COVID started. So it's not out of whack with the last few quarters, but still very robust. You know, maybe just looking at it from a uh, from this perspective, I think is helpful. Uh, the earnings for the quarter are likely going to end up uh, at a level that's about 25% higher than the corresponding quarter in 2019. So in other words, corporate profits are now about 25% higher than where they were prior to the pandemic. So just that just, I think, speaks to how strong the earnings recovery has been. Uh, and, and, and that's really been one of the, the most important drivers of, of the equity market. The, a couple of other important takeaways, uh, forward estimates are still rising. Uh, so that's continue. That's that's good news. So com- it's not just the companies are beating by a lot. Uh, the analyst community is is continuing to raise expectations for the for future periods, uh, and we think that's going to continue. And that, that's a, a lot of what's been driving equities higher over the last uh, the last several months. Um, you know, a clear shift from pandemic winners to reopening plays in terms of. The, the actual results. That shouldn't be too surprising, uh, just given the state of the pandemic. Um, but uh, that, that, is, that was pretty clear in the results. And then the last thing I would say in terms of a takeaway is that, I mean, costs are rising, uh, which shouldn't be too surprising. Um, and it's really across the board. It's, it's wages, it's supply chain, it's uh, materials costs. Um, but Revenue growth is so strong that it's offsetting those cost increases, and, and actually profit margins in the quarter reached a, a new record high. So, uh, you know, I would say if I had to just put a bottom line on it, it it's been a, a very strong earnings season, not too different from the last several, the last you know three or four that we've seen. And, and overall, you know, this gives us continued confidence in our estimates for the full year. We think we'll see 40% earnings growth this year. You know, if anything, there's maybe some upside risk to that number. Uh, And then for next year, we're looking for 15% earnings growth. Now, when we, if we account for corporate, uh, corporate tax increase, that could be more like 10%. Um, So that's our formal estimate. And we'll have to see what happens on the on the corporate tax side. The Congress really hasn't even started, uh, you know, getting into the, the the details there. But that does look like a possibility that we would see a, a corporate tax increase. But anyway, the, you know, the the these levels of earnings growth are, are clearly key ingredients to the continued increase in uh, in equities that we've been witnessing over the the last year plus. Absolutely. So on another note, David, we 
did receive a news on an infrastructure package agreement uh, coming out of Washington this week. Now, who are the winners and losers of that development, and what sort of support does it lend to the economy and markets? Yeah, sure. So, so Griff, you know, I would highlight that you know this is the this is the bipartisan uh, Senate package. Uh, so, in terms of incremental spending, it's it's you know, smaller than than what the Democrats are working on in, in their separate reconcil- you know, so-called reconciliation package. So this this was about $550 billion of incremental spending. Um, and it's, it's really focused on traditional infrastructure in the sense that you know, highways, roads, uh, bridges, uh, there's rail in there as well as um, broadband, electric power grid. So, you know, companies that are leveraged to any of those things, uh, yeah, it, it's a, it, it's, it's a nice increase. Um, so engineering construction firms, construction materials companies, uh, co- again, companies related to electric grid. There was, there is some money in there for electric vehicle charging station build outs. It's not nearly as much as, uh, the EV support is not nearly as much as what Biden had proposed in uh, in some of his his proposals, um, and there is some support for for broadband uh, developments and, and rollouts. So you know, telecom networking gear and, and maybe some of the broadband providers. Uh, so what I would say though is that yeah, as this a lot of the spending will take place over a number of years. So it's not going to be sort of it's not going to have the the same immediate impact on the economy that the COVID relief packages have had. Uh, so I think it's important to, to just bear that in mind. But yeah, on the margin, I would say, you know, certainly is helpful for, for companies that are leveraged to that. Now, obviously, you know, this still has not been um, passed in the Senate. And then, and then once it does, uh, it obviously has to be passed by the House. Uh, so there's still more to go uh, on this. And, um, but it, it, it certainly is a, a step forward in terms of uh, trying to get something to President Biden's desk. Shifting gears here, we did receive this morning the latest non-farm payrolls report. What are some of the key takeaways from the print? And are there any other notable macroeconomic events from the week that you'd like to highlight for us today? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, in terms of the last week, I mean, we we you know already talked about some of the you know ISM and um, and earnings and well, I, you know, earnings. I guess not macro, more micro uh, events. But yeah, in terms of the 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 payrolls, it was a strong report. Uh, so the consensus was looking for new job growth of of about eight hundred and seventy thousand. And the the number came in better than that came in at 943, so you know higher a bit higher than expectations. I mean close to a million jobs. So you know these are these are you know very strong numbers, and it's you know what what we need to see to get the uh, the economy back to back to its uh, pre-pandemic state. Uh, it was also nice to see that there were upward revisions to some of the prior months. Uh, so, you know, so the job market has been a little bit stronger than we had been, um, had been thinking based upon those revisions. And uh, I would say the other thing was the unemployment rate uh, did fall pretty, pretty materially, it fell from 
5.9% to 5.4%. So, mm-hmm. you know, overall, this was this was a strong report. Um, and, you know, if you go back to one of the things I had mentioned uh, earlier about, you know, why we've seen the markets behaving the way they've been behaving, I mean, part of the the issue has been, um, you know, we, some of the labor market reports recently have been a little bit weaker than expected. And that had prompted a bit of a rotation out of some of the more uh, economically sensitive companies. It had prompted some decline in, in, in long-term interest rates. So this report goes some way to reversing some of those trends. And that's what we're seeing so far in terms of a market reaction this morning. We're seeing long-term interest rates are up a little bit. We're seeing a little bit of a rotation out of some of the the expensive growth companies uh, and into some of the the more uh, cyclical companies. And and that's how we would be positioned. We actually think that trend will continue. Uh, I think, though, you know, for that to be to continue in a more noticeable and material way, I think we do need to start to see the COVID wave begin to to peak and ultimately start to decline. And, And that's probably going to take at least a few more weeks before we can make any definitive statements about that. Um, but this employment report does help in terms of encouraging investors to take a look at more economically sensitive areas uh, and, and potentially push interest rates up a little bit. But I think you know the overarching uh, sort of main dri- the main driver of what we've been seeing within markets over the last couple months has, has really just been the fact that COVID cases are rising and and pe- and investors getting a little bit worried about that not not worried enough that they're willing to get out of stocks in a on a in a large scale basis but concerned enough to rotate back into some of the sort of pandemic winners secular growth companies we think ultimately that's that that will actually switch back into in, into favor of some of the more value companies, more economically sensitive, as the as the numbers on COVID begin to improve, and and we're hopeful that we'll start to see that in the in the coming weeks, Griff. Well, David, uh, appreciate the recap of the week that was. But looking forward here, what should investors focus on as they prepare for next week? Yeah, so it should be a little bit more quiet than what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, we, we could see uh, some movement on that bipartisan Senate bill. Uh, so we'll see what happens there in terms of actually getting uh, the Senate to to uh, to vote on it and and potentially approve it. Um, we we will have a few earnings reports, not not many. We're, we're sort of at the tail end of earnings season. But but Disney is is one of the high profile companies or I guess the largest company that's reporting next week. And then I would say the thing that probably is going to be one of the one of the more important reports is the uh, the CPI report for next week, mm-hmm. um, the consumer price index. And the last four of these have been have been much uh, hotter than expected. And, and again, as I mentioned at the outset or I mentioned a couple of times, you know, the, these I think these hot inflation reports that we've seen have really uh, raised the risk that the Fed is going to uh, be well. It's raised the risk that the Fed, I think, is going to be a little bit more hawkish and a little bit, you know, sort of taking away the punch bowl more quickly than had been expected. So, if we start to see the inflation numbers cooling a little bit, 
that should reduce that risk uh, and and could further uh, prompt a uh, a rotation back out back out of some of the secular growth uh, companies and and back into some of the more economically sensitive. So, yeah. So I would say the the most probably the the biggest market moving uh, print or data point for next week could be the CPI. So we'll be watching that uh, very closely. Terrific. Well, David, fantastic conversation today on what's been yet another fascinating week in the markets. And we thank you for joining us and sharing your insights and looking forward to having you back on sometime soon. Thanks, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Anytime, David. You have a great weekend as well. Again, we have been joined today by David Lefkowitz, the head of Equities Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office authors a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com slash CIO. For clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you'd like to learn more about or receive a copy of any of the publications and blogs directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes and Spotify. Visit UBS.com slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the UBS trending video series. So from UBS Studios, I'm Griffin Marie, and thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.